Good morning. Good to see you today. I'm a little under the weather today, battling a little uh, sinus infection, so I'm not avoiding you, but I am avoiding you, just in case you, it looks like I might not be as friendly. But anyway, I uh, blew my nose so much, my beard fell off. So uh, just kind of working through that, but uh, I'm able to get up here and speak, so I'm um, feeling a little better today than yesterday. Well, a children's Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and her six-year-old class. And after explaining the commandment to honor your father and mother, she asked, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? And without hesitation, one little boy threw up his hand and said, I know, thou shall not kill. <laughs> so, that's all I got today. All right, Exodus 20 is where we are in our Bible reading. We get the Ten Commandments today. So I have preached on each commandment in sermons, but I've never, I don't think I've ever preached the whole passage before, uh, at least on a Sunday morning I haven't. And so we're looking at Exodus 20 today, uh, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today that you've given us. Uh, we look forward to seeing, Lord, just exactly uh, what you're showing us today in this famous passage of Scripture that many people know about. They may not be able to find it in the Bible, but they've heard about it, the Ten Commandments. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak today, Lord, and that you would uh, speak through me uh, with power and truth through your spirit, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to give you three insights into the Ten Commandments. Three insights into the Ten Commandments. First, the Ten Commandments are a reflection of God's character. They are a reflection of God's character. They're not just a list of rules. They come from God, so they bear his image, they bear his character. Verse 1 says, right after they had led the Israelites out of Egypt, God said, verse 2, I am the Lord your God 
Who brought you out of the land of Egypt? Out of the house of slavery. So the reason that we strive to obey God's word is because of what he has done for us and who he is. Not because we're trying to get him to love us. Not because we're trying to get him to save us. It's because he does love us and he has saved us. This is on the heels of them taking them out of Egypt and saving them. He rescued the Israelites from literal slavery for 400 years. And through Jesus, God rescues us from spiritual slavery. So we listen to his word. So the Ten Commandments are more than just a list of behaviors to obey and to check off. They are a reflection of the nature, the character of God himself. With that said, let's look at the commandments. So number two is that the Ten Commandments teach us how to love God. The Ten Commandments teach us how to love God. Uh, These first four commandments are often called uh, the vertical tablet of the law. It describes how our relationship should be with the vertical person, the vertical God in our life. God, right? And so he says, first of all, you shall have no other gods before me. So he gives these four commandments that have to deal with our relationship with the Lord. Because until our relationship with the Lord is right, we can't have the right relationships with everybody else. We'll get to that in a second. So he says, first of all, you shall have no other gods before me. Now he's giving this law to the Israelites knowing that they're getting ready to enter into a foreign land, the promised land, where each community, each culture, each nation had its own gods already established. So as Israel was entering into this land that did not know the one true God, they would be tempted, perhaps even coerced, to give allegiance to the gods of the land. And no matter where you live on earth, there are other gods in every land that aren't the one true God. You're going to be tempted to give allegiance to them. Hopefully you won't be coerced. And even though we all know that there are no other gods, there's no such thing as other gods, we're still prone to worship gods who really don't exist. You know, when we, when we truly make God our only God, we're free to worship him. We're free from the bondage of sin. And there's freedom in following one true God. It's not a restriction. It's a liberation. And because there's only one God, we don't have to fear the things that other people fear. We don't have to, have to feel the, fear the evil spirits. We don't have to fear the natural disasters. We don't have to fear the spy balloons 60,000 feet in the air. We don't have to fear things that are out of our control. Because we have one God that we fear, and that is the Lord Most High. So we fear Him. So this first commandment deals with the exclusivity of God. And then the second commandment deals with us molding God into our own image. See, we can say we believe in one God, but what God? Is it truly the God of the Bible, or are we creating a God for our own use? And that's what the second commandment gets to. It says in verse 4, You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness. So it's not just carved images. It's any likeness that you make of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. So the first commandment here points to the true God, and the second commandment gives us the true way to exercise that faith, the true way to practice that faith in the true God. This deals with the idea of who God is and how he acts. So you could be, you could be describing God, and another person could be describing God. Y'all could be describing two completely different entities, makeups, right? Two different contents of that God. So we can make God out to be the nice Santa Claus who's really, all not, who's really not all that mean to naughty children. We can make him out to be this nice, friendly God that just walks around with flowers and loves everyone. There's no justice in his life. Or we can make him out to be a tyrant and a strict, unforgiving God, which he is not. Only through knowing the word of God can we truly know who God is. Everything else is an idol made in our image. So we can say, well, my God would never do this, or my God would do this. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's not your God. It's a God you've made up. It's not the true God. So if we don't like who God is, if we don't like how God is, then have we really looked into who he is? And if there's a problem with how we see God, it's not a problem with God, it's a problem with our hearts. It's a problem with us. The God that you made in your life that doesn't line up with the God of Scripture, how is it going for you? How are you doing with that God? Make sure your God lines up with the true God of the Bible. He says in verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, a lot of times we talk about this, taking the Lord's name in vain. We think about cursing or cussing or something like that. It's much more than that. Uh, it, it refers to using God's name for the wrong reasons, the wrong ideas. Blaming God for things that maybe didn't happen. Or blaming God for things that, that, that did happen. You know, we're guilty of doing this when we say that maybe God has told us to do something when he really has not. And it's worse if we say that God has told me to do something when we know he hasn't done it. Now, it's one thing if we feel it and the Holy Spirit's told us that, and it's true. But if we know he hasn't, we are taking the Lord's name in vain. But it's even bigger than that. It even cuts across to speaking bad about people, other people. See, God created everyone. Even the most despicable person that you think they are, they're still made in the image of God. God still created them. So to speak bad about someone, you are cursing them. You're taking their name in vain, which is taking the Lord's name in vain. It can be said that when we insult another person, we're insulting God himself since he created them. This is why when we hear people calling each other names, it bothers us. If we're watching a news show or a politician or someone calling someone a name, it should bother us because it is dishonoring to them, which is dishonoring to God. We teach our children not to call names all the time. Every now and then my four-year-old will say something inappropriate, and I'm like, ah, why are you saying that? But if I would have heard a 15-year-old or a 50-year-old say it, it wouldn't have bothered me as much. But you know it's wrong when a four-year-old says something inappropriate because it should make you feel off. We get callous of it when we hear older people do it. So, 
taking God's name in vain is something that, that we have to think about because uh, it is the part of the character of God. And then verse 8, the fourth commandment, he says to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then he gives a whole explanation about it. He says six days you'll, you'll work. The seventh is a, a day to the Lord. You don't work on it. No one in your house works on it. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and made everything. So the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, there's some confusion over the years about the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a Saturday. And when he's talking to the Israelites, he's talking about Saturday. It was a day of rest. Now, Sunday, for believers, is a day of worship. Now, it can be your Sabbath if you so choose, but it is a, a day of worship. They're not the same thing. A day of rest and a day of worship is not the same. Today is not a day of rest for me. <laughs> There's a lot of Sundays that aren't days of rest for people who have to work. We'll get to that in a second. Jesus himself performed miracles on the Sabbath because it was a day to celebrate. And so the principle here is for us to take one day a week. For the Jews, it was that Sabbath day, that Saturday, to take one day a week, a day of rest to celebrate. We try to do this at our house. We try to do it yesterday. Our children do not like it. We tell them, you need a day where you don't do anything. The word day of rest. Sunday is a day of celebration. Some days you can make that a day of rest as well. But you need a day of rest because the Sabbath was to be a blessing for man, not an oppressor. Every now and then I'll hear someone who said they've worked 15, 16, 21 days in a row. Maybe they have to. I mean, I'm not saying that maybe they didn't have a choice. But at some point, it's going to catch up with you. You're going to have a breakdown. You're going to have a time where you have to rest, your body will stop because you're not created for that. You're not created for that, that calendar, that schedule. You're created to have a day of rest. It is a day for us to celebrate from our work. Do you know why we work in the first place? Because of the fall of man, because of sin. Adam sinned. He was just overseeing a garden. I love being an overseer, just oversee things. Not that bad. But then when he sinned, what did God say? Now you're going to sweat. Now you're going to work. So, just as the Jews were to celebrate their freedom on the Sabbath from the slavery of Egypt, we're to celebrate the freedom we have from sin and the effects of sin. That day off is a day of celebration. We need to learn, I think, as Americans, how to have a day off. Now, there's many people who have to work crazy hours, crazy days, healthcare, doctors, nurses, the military, police officers, firemen. You know, if you have to go to the ER on a, on a Sunday morning, they'd be glad there's doctors working there. Amen? Nurses, things like that. Uh, Long-distance truckers, pastors, all kind of people. Uh, uh, people who work on the telephone lines. They work all crazy hours, but they all need a day off. We all need a Sabbath. And so where we struggle is this. We find it easy uh, to not take a break. Sunday is a day set aside for church, for worship, whether you rest or not, but we all need a day of rest. So the first Ten Commandments show us how we're going to love God. We have to lo love God by doing these things. And, and then number three, the Ten Commandments teach us how then to love others. When our heart is oriented to God the correct way, when we're living in the rhythms that he has designed for us, it's then easier to love other people. When our relationship with God is right, 
then our relationships with others can be right. Okay. Look at verse 12. He says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the first other people that he mentions here are our parents. The first relationship we're to honor are our parents. Now, uh, he could have said just fathers, women had no rights in this area, but God, of course, believes that women are made equal in essence to, to men. So he says, honor your father and your mother, just not your father, your mother as well. And this word honor is a Hebrew word kabod, which has this idea of being heavy. And that to be honored is you're honoring someone of weight. Not like a physical weight, like pounds or anything like that. But an impact. Someone makes an impact in your life. Your parents are going to make the biggest impact in your life, probably of anybody else in your life. And so we honor them. This commandment was very liberal for the day and age because women had no rights. But God said, no, no, you're not just honoring your father. You're honoring your father and your mother. Both are made in the image of God. That's how God intended. So for a child, when you disrespect your parents or really even other authority figures, you're disrespecting God himself because God has put those people in your authority. Now, if you have a parent that is sinning against you, breaking the law, that's a different kind of thing, right? Breaking the law, you need to get help from authorities, proper authorities. But everything being equal, your parents have been put over you for a reason. And you obey them, you honor them, not because of how great they are, but because of their role in your life as your father and as your mother. So we honor father and mother. Verse 13 is the next commandment. It says, you shall not murder. Now, you might have heard this growing up if you read the King James as you shall not kill is what it was said. But really, that's not the best translation, which is why modern translations don't use it anymore. Um, the, the word for kill was, was too broad a word for what the intended meaning here was. This is why modern translations say you shall not murder because not all killing is sin. Now, some of you going to have a hard time with this. But, but not all killing is sin. You can think of accidental killings. You can think of just killings. We'll get to that in a second. This right here, you're not murder. He's talking about killing that's unlawful. Killing that violates justice, that violates society, that does not serve society. Right? Meaning that, that this is someone who intentionally killed someone and intended to take the life of the victim. Now the background of this commandment, like all the rest of them, comes from the reminder that God rescued the Israelites from Egypt, where among other things, firstborn babies were murdered. If you've read that part. And so they're free now from slavery. So they're not to be like the Egyptians. They don't murder people for no reason. Now the reason we have a problem with this idea of killing, not necessarily being sin, is because God has killed justly. It's in the Old Testament. It's there. Go read it. Nations that turned their back from him wiped them out. Ananias and Sapphira wiped took their life. Now the problem that we have with this is we look at living as being the, 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 the goal of life. Living is not the goal of life. Think about this. Our lives have limits for a reason. We are to honor life. We believe in the sanctity of life, but we do not worship life. Our world worships life. 
Dying is the worst thing that could happen to anybody if they do not know Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'll be in heaven if I die. Praise be. We do not worship life. We are to live our life for the glory of God, and then we move on. Living is not the greatest good. Loving God and loving others is the greatest good. Now, we respect, we have reverence for all life, but we don't worship it. We revere it. We don't worship it. We can make an idol out of even life. We revere God more. So murder, yes, we completely say, no, you do not murder, which is why God told us that, because murdering is not part of the character of God. And then in verse 14, he says this, you shall not commit adultery. Now, this phrase literally means marital infidelity with a married woman who's not your husband. And the point here is not to isolate this and say it's just one section of this. The point is to say that marriage is important. You have your wife, he has your wife. You have your husband, he has, she has her husband, right? And, and, and that's it, and that's where it starts, and that's where it stops. Then he says in verse 15, you shall not steal. And we teach kids this very early. It shouldn't be hard to, that it really isn't a lot of a, preaching on this, these four words right here. Shall not steal. What God has given you, he's given you. That is your property. What he's given someone else, that is their property. So you shall not steal. Verse 16, the next commandment, it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now this commandment specifically forbids a witness in a trial from lying against his neighbor before a judge. In Bible times, everything could hinge on, the wit- on what the witnesses said. But there was no cameras. There was no, <laughs> there was no recordings. By the testimony of two or three witnesses, a defendant could be sentenced to death. And so he says, you are not to lie about someone. But you can extrapolate this to all across the board, whether you're, we're lying about someone, whether we're gossiping about someone. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, a lie to spread gossip. You can spread gossip by speaking truthfully because your intention is to harm the person's reputation. Did you hear about what happened to so-and-so? You might just be reporting the news, but you're telling somebody that so that the other person will think bad about that person. That is bearing false witness. Whether it's libel, whether it's slander, whether it's twisting a person's words. Well, I didn't say that. What I meant was this. You're trying to injure your neighbor. And God says, as you move into the promised land, you're not going to bear false witness because it is not how I operate as God. It is not a reflection of my character. And then finally, number 17, verse 17, the 10th commandment, he says this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his male servant, female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything else. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't cover your neighbor's truck. Don't cover your neighbor's boat. Don't cover your neighbor's, na- your neighbor's beach house. Don't covet your neighbor's gun collection. Don't covet your neighbor's 50-yard line tickets. God has given you what you have, and he's blessed you with that. See, we get upset when we think that God owes us more than what he's given us. Well, Lord, I don't have that. You know, there's always someone who has it better than you. Because you know that person. You're thinking of them right now. 
There's always someone who has it better than you. And you've always thought, if I could just have that, if I could just have what they have, everything would be fine. God says, no, because you'll hate that person. And you're not going to covet anything, especially not his ox, <laughs> right? especially not his property. Because God has given that to him, and he's given what you have to you. See, the Ten Commandments, we think of them posted somewhere in these two big metal tablets. But really, what they should be done is there should be two metal tablets with a heart drawn around it. It's Valentine's Day coming up. Maybe for your loved one, you give them, you give them the Ten Commandments for Valentine's Day. Don't take my advice, but you know what I mean, right? It should be a heart around the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments are all about love. Ten Commandments say, this is how you love God. This is how you love people. Don't do these things. Why? Because this is what loving people do. Loving people love God this way. They love others that way. The Ten Commandments, not just a list of rules, but a law of love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Ten Commandments. You, you, you gave the Israelites that we have in our, in our word. And I thank you that you can see them posted all over the place. And Lord, we know there's been arguments and, and court rulings about where the Ten Commandments can go and where they can't go. And it's silly that you even have that because they are all loving commandments. No one's going to be harmed by keeping the Ten Commandments. Because they're a reflection of you, a reflection of your character, a reflection of your nature. So Lord, let the Ten Commandments today not just be these list of rules we think about, but let it be commandments that are written on our heart. Jesus even says, said as much. Lord, your son told us that you might not have done it physically, but if you've done it in your heart, you're just as guilty. So, Father, as we close our time together today, let these Ten Commandments come into our hearts and let us leave here thankful for you saving us and let us love you and love other people as we look at your commandments today. Father, if there's one in here today that's never placed their faith in you, that, that today that they would turn from their sins, they'd ask you for forgiveness, that you would save them today so that they can understand that the rest of their life on this earth is one where they're going to rejoice for your, from your salvation. And that's how people could see a change in their life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your commandments that you've given us, that they are not a burden, that they are a freedom for us. And we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.